Alrighty, everybody, welcome back to a new episode of Game Rivals. It, it feels so long since we've done it, but it's been like two weeks, but it feels like an eternity. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Sean Templer. As always, I am joined by my other co-host, Maximilian X. How are you doing, my friend? I'm I'm okay. I'm doing okay. It's uh, It's been a, a bit of a long week, kind of tired, but uh, doing good. It feels like an eternity since I've seen your face. It does feel like an eternity, doesn't it? Doesn't mean I missed it, but uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, but yeah, it it feels it feels long. It feels. I long. know, I know. It's strange. I don't know what it is, but it's it's just like the same because of the whole situation. Like I don't listen to a lot of podcasts, so it's also been strange to record a podcast because normally when I'm on the move, I listen to podcasts. But since I'm working from home now, I just listen to a lot of music. Oh, that's the opposite. I I started going back to work. So yeah. I'm listening to podcasts again, yeah. slowly, slowly but surely. I'm catching up on all the stuff that I missed. You know what bugs um, me about podcasts? Because some, sometimes I listen to a podcast before I go to bed, so it helps me uh, fall asleep. And yesterday I turned on uh, one about Astroneer. Uh, no clip mm-hmm. did an episode around Astroneer, and they did like a, a update, and they did it in the podcast. Um, and I turned it on and like within five minutes I fell asleep, but the whole night that podcast and like all other podcasts in my playlist kept on playing. So it didn't just stop after one podcast. So like I would wake <laughs> up every once in a while and hear voices like, ah, this is my podcast still playing. And I was too tired to figure out how to turn it off. So like when I woke <laughs> up in the morning, I was still hearing voices. <laughs> so such strange reason that it just turn off after one episode. Did you have any sweet Astroneer dreams, though? No, no. <laughs> the funny thing is, is I, I haven't played Astroneer for a while, but it did get me into the mood to play Astroneer. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. So, um, from a news perspective, for as far as I can remember, it's not a, a lot that happened, but it's like the things that did happen are pretty major, to put it that way. Um, that's an understatement yeah so um do do we want to start off with the nice things or do we just want to drop the bomb and talk about the bad stuff well let's start with the bad stuff so that we can hand on on on, on a high note because otherwise it's gonna be a slump so i think the past two episodes we've been talking about this let me just call it this storm that's going through the games industry in which a lot of uh people are speaking up about uh, being harassed and being treated wrongly and stuff like that. It started with IGN the last episode or what episode before, and a lot, a lot of stuff was involved as well. Um, one of the bigger companies that got like hit really hard is Ubisoft. Uh, we mentioned that the creative director for Assassin's Creed Valhalla uh, uh, resigned, let's put it that way. But now, actually today, uh, three pretty high-level executives, including the chief creative officer have resigned um, and that there's also like over a hundred plus cases being reported within Ubisoft ranging from uh, psychological harassment to even there is a rape which is pretty intense yeah Um, Yeah, that's pretty intense yeah and it's not something you would expect Um, it certainly deals a blow to the games industry and to Ubisoft um, Yves Guillemot posted a letter uh, on that website, I think it's a Ubisoft website, for everybody to read in which he said that that they are going to move forward in a completely different direction and they're going to restructure and they're going to put in all sorts of procedures and, and things in place to prevent 
uh, this from ever happening again. And he wants Ubisoft to become a safe space for people to be themselves and to be able to express themselves and to just come into work every day without any fear of uh, something like this happening again ever. Um, I, I believe so. The, the Ubisoft, Ubisoft was founded by a family. But like, I believe that when, when, let me put it this way. If it was Activision and Bobby Kodak said it, I would not mm-hmm. have believed it because he's just a yeah. man. But when a person <laughs> like Yves Guillemot says it, like I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe him more because he's always been this nice, respected, likable guy. It, it, it doesn't feel like he's saying it because he has to say it. It's nah. it really comes over as he's saying it and he really means it. And he's kind of petrified that this has happened within his family's company. Within his purview. Yeah. I mean, man, I, it, this is big. Like for, for a company to like, just not just from the, t- it's, this is from the top down. So, yeah. This is all the all the all the higher ups that have just been caught in all these well, let's be let's say what it is scandals um all these allegations the fact that they are all being removed that, that there's being this big shake up I really wonder what's going to happen though um cuz if they're shifting people around that means people are getting temporary roles but they are going to look people look for people for permanent positions in those roles. So who are going to be filling those roles? Are they going to be people from outside of the company? I'm assuming um, they might promote some people up. Maybe. I don't know. Because they didn't, you know, put that in there. Because we don't know what they're going to do in terms of restructuring. I, what we do know is that for at least one position, um, uh Eves is actually stepping in as chief creative officer. Yeah. So he's taking that role on. I mean, it obviously it's the te- it's a temporary um takeover of the role until they find someone else who can fill the room role in a more permanent basis. Um but the yeah, role, the like, role basically is like the is like the head of worldwide studios at Sony, like Herman Hill says. So it's basically yeah. that kind of role. You he oversees all studios. Mm-hmm. So that means he's going to have some serious square eyes for like a while. (laughs) Probably. Because if if you're going to be reviewing all the games that your studios and partners are putting out, um, that's a lot. So, Yeah. Uh, On a more positive note, they had their Ubisoft Forward, their digital, direct, whatever you want to call it kind of event. I don't hate the name. Me neither. I like the like, way it was done and the name. Yeah. I, the the presentation had this weird... Um, Remember when... Okay, this is going to be like throwing back like a really far. But remember when... Um, I think it was when Windows 7 came out? I don't remember that anyway. Was it Windows Vista? No, it was Vista. So when Windows Vista came out, they had this what they call the 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 metro um the metro UI where everything was literally just squares. Wasn't that like, Windows 8? But no, that wasn't that wasn't Windows 8. It was Windows 8 with all the tiles and stuff. Was that Windows 8? That was Windows 8. It was Vista. No. Oh no, wait, it wasn't Vista. It was 8. It was Windows 8. Okay, okay. My bad, my bad. 
too many versions eight cool right yes that one but the the presentation kind of had, had that kind of feel to it okay oh it, this was slick i really like it. it was slick like it wasn't like shitty as that but it was slick <laughs> um, yeah because windows 8 kind of sucked I mean, it was better than Windows 7, and it was a, way better than Vista, but... No, 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 no. Windows 7 was the best compared to 8. Really? Yeah. You clearly don't use Windows that often. Well, okay, see, to be honest, I skipped 7. Oh, how can... Oh, my God. <laughs> I skipped 7 because I, because the, uh, during that time, I was not really playing a lot of PC games. Okay. Yeah, so like Vista sucked, 7 was good, 8 wasn't as good, and then they brought out 8.1, which fixed a lot of stuff, and then 10, yeah. what, what we have right now, is like the best. Yeah, 10 is awesome. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, I liked it. It was slick. I mean, we kind of knew what kind of stuff they were going to show beforehand. Far Cry 6 leak. leaked out, the release date for Assassin's Creed Valhalla leaked out. Yep. Uh, it's not really that they try to keep a lid on it but you know um i i think the stuff like let's say that they didn't show a lot of stuff but like the, the but the stuff that they showed was pretty cool yeah i mean they started off with uh uh watchdogs legion yeah that looked pretty like i said a bit like when it was revealed the first time last year i said that legion actually looks really fun to play just because of the mechanics in there you were still yeah. like kind of skeptical about it this is the first Watch Dogs that I've seen that I really want to play. Oh, uh, yeah. I, ha but I didn't really feel that for the first Watch Dogs. I thought it looked fine. It looked cool enough. Um, two looked interesting enough for me to be, like, interested in it. But, like, Legion is like, oh, okay, this this looks like a really fun mechanic because you, because it, it feels like another game that Ubisoft made, um, which is Zombie U, or Zombie, if you played the playstation 4 version um, i believe that game really sucked on the wii no it didn't it was actually kind of fun it was just way more difficult to play because you had because you, there's no pause in that game and you have your inventory on the gamepad screen that was that was kind of the hook and it was a pretty cool hook but it kind of got annoying because you you know you couldn't pause um but it it had that feel because that game did not have a fixed protagonist basically anytime you died your character the character that you were controlling turns into a zombie and then you take control of a completely new and randomly generated character but okay. it was a bit more bland in that one this one feels more like the characters actually have backstories they're not I, just random, like, I, oh, this is an electrician, but they don't have, like, special skills attached to that. I this one, if you're, like, a construction worker, you have construction worker skills that you're using to aid uh, DeadSec, which is really cool. Yeah. Also, I, the grandma is just awesome. Oh, I know you're going to say that. But, like, they have, they have spin-offs on characters. There's, like, this Idris Elba version of James Bond in it. Mm. And there is a clearly a John Wick inspired uh, uh, character, <laughs> which looked really cool because he had the special moves and all that stuff. So I was like, "Hey, I want to recruit that legendary assassin, as they call him." Um, <laughs> but the the cool part is, is that besides it being so open and vast and a bit goofy, which is kind of cool and it fits the the style and the setting of the game, is it looks to have a far more bigger focus on combat, or at least the combat really feels like combat. I played the Watch Dogs 1 and 2, 
And in mm. one, it was the cover was really nice. In two, it it really didn't feel nice. It really felt more like this. You have these hacking skills, and you have, and that's like the main part. And the combat is a bit of the afterthought. It didn't feel. This sounds stupid when I say it, but it didn't feel satisfying to shoot somebody. Whereas mm. with combat, you want to have that satisfying feeling that when you shoot somebody, it's like, yes, I shot you. Again, this sounds weird when I say it, but you know, it's the only way to express this in a game. So it, here it looks like, oh, I'm going to punch you in the face and it's going to be so satisfying. Or I'm going to hit you with a big ass wrench and that's going to be so satisfying, you know? Mm. Um, so that looks really, really nice. And as you said, it's cool to see that all the characters have useful skills. Like the construction worker is dressed up like a construction worker, carries this huge. And you can wrench. use a nail gun to. Yeah, that just... looked really cool, that part. Him just sliding over <laughs> objects, kind of like uh, uh, I almost expected him to jump into bullet time and slowly shoot his nail gun. That, it yeah. really looked nice. <laughs> it's coming it out. Remind, it remi- actually, that, actually, that reminded me a bit of uh, um, Dead Space. Really? You know, Isaac, yeah, because Isaac is also not like a soldier. Isaac is a uh, miner, and he uses his mining tools. Uh, oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he uses like a rivet gun and stuff like that. Yeah, a long time yeah. since I played that stuff. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, it's co- they announced a release date. It's coming out in October, October 29, 23rd, something like that, and it's coming to uh, all current gen platforms and next gen platforms. And um, they confirmed that if you buy the PS4 version, you will get October twenty ninth. By the way, uh, October twenty ninth. If you buy the PS4 version, you get a free upgrade to the PS5 version. If you buy the Xbox version, you get smart delivery, which is basically the same as what I just said, but with a fancier <laughs> name. Because you know how Microsoft does that. They just create fancy names for simple stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm really trying to not freak out and just go ape shit on Microsoft right now. Because <laughs> we had this discussion. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to it. I thought, okay, hmm, should I buy it on the PS4? And I'm like, no, 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 no. You know what? I will just wait until I get my PS5, and this will be one of those games I buy on the PS5 together with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Really? Okay. Yeah, I mean, like, it's probably like a month and a half apart, so I might as well wait that month and a half. Yeah. And then... Uh, we don't know. Yeah, and then uh, it's also a nice segue to Assassin's Creed, which they also showed. Yep. Finally. 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 Yeah. Finally. And it looked pretty good. I didn't expect they it. They even stalled that one, by the way. You... Like, no, like, I just need to, like, get this on my They finally start talking about Assassin's Creed, and they keep showing the trailer parts, like the cinematic stuff, over and over again. You're like, where's the gameplay, though? Yeah. Where is it? Like, seriously? Like, if you're not showing it now, then you guys, like, seriously just dropped the ball big time. And then they finally showed it, and it actually looks decent the funny thing is is a 30 minute gameplay video leaked out like last week no way seriously. i think i sent it to you and i had a while i looked at it and it's oh, really right. I, like you did. I also remember saying i also remember saying the leaks are crazy this time around yeah yeah seriously what is up with the leaks this year I, I think people are getting way too like I, maybe it's because they're stuck indoors so long they're like you know what 
I need to tell people. I need to tell someone. Because there are so many leaks, man. I know. Like even like even though even right before we started recording, there was another thing that was that came out. Um, and as of this recording, we don't know yet. So maybe um, I'll make a little thingy in here, and if it was true, I'll uh, put it in there. If not, then we'll just continue this conversation. But if if this if if this thing is true, um, yeah, crazy stuff. What's the, the PlayStation? Thing? The PlayStation Five. Uh, oh, thing. right. Yeah. So there's a rumor floating around that Sony is, is on uh, July 13th, which is basically tomorrow for us while we record this, that they will do a brief announcement around the pricing and the release date of the PlayStation Five. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't believe it, but um, who knows? Again, if it's true, I'll splice it into the episode. If not, yeah. then. You know, it was just yeah. A- it doesn't make sense because I, I I mentioned this offline. It's like if they're gonna do. Uh, ah. <laughs> ah. Okay, so Is they're gonna do it. So basically, Microsoft's gonna host an event on the twenty third of July, yes. and it's their show Xbox Game Showcase event. They're gonna show all first party games. There's a rumor floating around that they will not announce pricing or a release date for the Xbox. If, kind of figured that they would do that. I yeah, I thought as well because you know they can't. It's it's basically like a standoff, and somebody has to. It's it's chicken, so both are racing at each other, and one has to call chicken, and they're both not doing mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And I said like just now, I was like, okay, but it's not smart for Sony to do this because if Sony announces pricing right now, which basically everybody speculates is going to be four ninety nine for the disc version, and maybe four forty nine or at best, three ninety nine for the for the digital edition because of a rumor floating around that games are also going up in prices, which we'll probably go into in a bit, um, so that they can compensate for that. But then, if they say, okay, we're gonna put the box in the store for three ninety nine and four ninety nine, and then Microsoft is still gonna undercut them and say, you know what, the Series X is gonna be three ninety nine, and the Lockhart or the Series S or whatever you wanna call it, it's gonna be two ninety nine. So they'll still undercut it, and then Sony will look like the bad guy. Whereas, if they wait for Microsoft to reveal the price, and Microsoft says Series X is going to be four ninety nine, Sony can still say, "Hey, we're going to do forty nine nine as well," and nobody's going to say, "Oh, it's such a big deal." Everybody's going to say they're similarly priced, or the impact will be less harmful. If instead of Sony saying now this is the price, and then Microsoft waltzing over it another in a week and saying, "Well," laughs on you because we're going a hundred dollars below you and even two hundred dollars below your cheapest version with the series s i mean then the only thing sony has going for them is that they have the best first party lineup from a studio's point of view but yeah if you're a guy that doesn't care about that because you want to play halo well then basically microsoft has your vote on day one yeah (laughs) i mean yeah you know and then probably for the rest of the Xbox console cycle, the guy will only play Halo because basically they only have Halo. <laughs> you know, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something that actually just popped into my head, and actually, I'm surprised that I haven't even that I didn't even realize that this was something that um, could be. I'm pretty sure that the prices are already set. Oh, I believe so as well. 
Like, because it makes no sense for us to, like, if you really think about it, it makes no sense for anybody to speculate that, oh, Microsoft is trying to undercut Sony or Sony is trying to undercut Microsoft because they have to set the prices at a certain point, like at least six months in advance. Mm-hmm. Because they have to make sure that it makes sense for them. It makes the that it's um, financially okay for them to do so. Yep. They also have to be able to communicate it to retailers on time. If you're doing this chicken race of or um, uh, uh, chicken race of like who's gonna blink first, it makes no sense. It makes for very interesting journalism, and it makes for fun rumors and speculations and it keeps them in the um, in the spotlight and keeps people talking about it but it makes no sense from a from a practical standpoint as a company to have a chicken race to see who's going to reveal their cheap price because the price is already set like the, the price is already like it's set in I, stone. I think internally they know it but I think it's internally more... they definitely know yeah but now it's more like a case of um, if they play along in this game, the media will keep on hyping this and it's creating buzz for them. Exactly. And then the moment that they announce the price and it's favorable for them, the media will go bonkers because the next few weeks, the only thing they'll talk about is the price and the release date. And if one undercuts the other, it will pop up in every video and every article. Like, oh, Sony was undercut or Microsoft was undercut or whatever. So it's it's just good. Is, is business. It's just good business for them, yeah. you know? And, and it's free publicity because if you look at what Sony did the whole year until their PS5 event was they said nothing. They showed the logo. They did the technical uh, briefing. But in, besides those two things, they basically said nothing. And you had all these developers talking about how amazing that SSD is going to be. To the point that we got sick of it because the only thing we would hear is, "Oh, that SSD is gonna is gonna make me a peanut Change butter everything. sandwich, even if I ask it to." <laughs> it's so amazing, <laughs> and I don't even like peanut butter. <laughs> Neither do I. Oh wow, really? Uh, only maybe if you mix it up with a bit of honey. But anyways, um, so like they got a lot of free publicity, and then they did their games review event, and then. Everybody went apeshit. It's like, oh my god, this is the best. And they also had the, the benefit of that Microsoft dropped the ball with their inside Xbox event. But mm-hmm. like, if you see what they did, is they like basically kept their mouth shut and they just knew at which moments to say something or not, or maybe nudge a developer forward to say like, hey, maybe, maybe it's time you talked and said something about the SSD. I mean, like, three hundred people already said that the SSD is amazing. But you know, if three hundred and one people said that the SSD is amazing, nobody doesn't mind. So yeah. it's all about publicity right now. And um, I mean, I think it's it's almost set in stone that we're going to see November as a launch date. Also because Assassin's Creed's release date is November 17th, um, which is basically in there in the holiday season. Um, I have a prediction or a bet going on with somebody that I said it's going to either be on November 20th, which is a Friday, or it's going to mm-hmm. be November 27th, which is the Friday after that. Because um, yeah. Assassin's Creed is gonna gonna the day that Assassin's Creed comes out, or it's gonna be day and date with the next gen. So if you buy a new console, you will be able to buy Assassin's Creed. It's not like gonna be like that. You have to wait a week to buy Assassin's Creed. No, no, no. When you buy your new console, you're gonna buy Assassin's Creed with it. 
Yeah. <laughs> so basically, you know, and Microsoft will probably be far off. It'll be either a week before or a week after. And then they'll tout that you can use smart delivery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Just... Yeah, I mean, like I'm going to say this right now. Smart del- All those people that are happy with smart delivery just don't. Because it's the yeah. most useless feature ever because it's the same as Crossplay. Microsoft came up with this stupid concept of Crossplay. Everybody screamed Crossplay. Sony said no. Sony eventually caved and said, okay, you want Crossplay? Here's effing Crossplay. And then when they got it, nobody's talking about it because nobody cares about Crossplay because it's not that big of a deal. And the same for Smart Delivery. Sony has said... We're not going to do smart delivery kind of stuff. If people, if developers want to do it, we give them the option. But we're not enforcing it, and we don't have a system in place that does it, which is fine. Microsoft is doing the same thing. They just give it a name. They just called it smart delivery. And now everybody's like, oh, smart delivery, it's so amazing. Like, no, it's not, because it's basically the same thing Sony is doing. They just came up with a marketing name. Yeah, <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was like, all right, but the only because I feel because I still feel that smart delivery does the only the the thing that we I'm pretty sure that it also does is that it transfers your save files. So I don't know what they're gonna do on PlayStation. I'm assuming they might do something. Let like me that. put it this way. Okay, here's a, I'm gonna I'm gonna set the scene for you. Mm-hmm. You don't you, you're broke. You have an Xbox One. Yeah. You can't buy a Series X because it's too expensive. Yeah. So you'll say, you know what? I'll just play all the current gen games on my current gen console because I can. And then after a year, you have enough money to buy a Series X. So you buy that Series X. And the first game you're going to play is anything but a game that came out last year because you want new stuff. You want a game that shows off your fancy-ass console. You want something that really makes it shine. You're not going to play Assassin's Creed Valhalla because you already played that a year ago. Nobody cares about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. You want Assassin's Creed Valhalla or whatever they're going to call it. So, (laughs) you know, you want that because that's the true Assassin's Creed made for next gen, not some upgraded current-gen version. So okay. in the end, nobody cares about smart delivery because you're not gonna play a game from a year ago. You're gonna buy a new game, but it's gonna be an enhanced version. And like you, you're saying that yourself, but what did you do if not play another game again when you got your PlayStation Four Pro? To be honest, I when I got my Pro, I just played a game that came out and. If there were older games that supported it, yeah, maybe if I get in a nostalgic mood. But I really couldn't care less if my PlayStation 4 Pro supported or the game supported the Pro or not. Because I just wanted to play games. I'm just saying. I thought about this. I thought about this. That's why I bring the issue up. Because (laughs) nobody... See, that's why I freaking hate Microsoft. They, because they know they suck and then they have to come up with these stupid things like smart delivery. They probably have people locked up in a room and like, oh man, Sony has a bit, pretty big advantage over us. Nintendo's doing their own thing, so we don't care about them. They're also doing fine. We need to come up with stuff because our first partner lineup isn't where we want it to be. 
And then one guy says, I got it. We're going to call so we're going to create this system in which people if they buy an old game on the PS on the Xbox one, they can just transition it to the Xbox Series X and we're going to call it smart delivery. Crowd goes wild, everybody goes wild, everybody loves it. It's and they're like, yeah, we need to do this. And then they implement it and if they just say it enough, people will start to believe in it. If I call you crazy every day, eventually you'll start to think that you're crazy. If I say smart delivery every day, eventually you'll start to believe in smart delivery. Hmm. Yeah, well, that's we'll basically how it is. I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I hope they release some statistics on smart delivery. I'm pretty sure they will. Yeah. But they mean to have to. Um, I want to because I really want to see how amazing smart delivery is. Yeah, especially since it also is uh, works with you know Game Pass. So. Yeah. I have Game Pass. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I, bet I use it. But you know what's not yeah, whatever? Sony investing in Epic Games. Yeah. they. Uh, and the funny thing is, is, they did a $250 million investment. This week it was announced in Epic, which yep. gave them a minority stake of 1.4% in Epic Games. Which also yeah. pushed the evaluation of Epic to seventeen point eight seven billion dollars. Oh boy, that is just berserk for a company. Yeah, and all that because they made Fortnite. Uh, probably. Uh, a funny thing is, is that a lot of people started to complain after the news came out because uh, it was said like, "Oh, but Epic probably favored Sony, or they talk really positive about Sony because they got this cash injection." Because when they did the Unreal Engine 5 reveal and they yeah. were like super enthusiastic about the PS5, it was like, yeah, but they have to say that because they've got a lot of money to save. And then the Epic CEO had to step in and said, no, no, no. Tim Sweeney, yeah. Tim Sweeney, we're like, no, we're just really happy. And I'm curious to see w- what this will lead to. Will it be for exclusive games or will it be for, uh, I don't know, optimization, like that the PS5 supports Unreal Engine 5 better or something like that? This is funny because. Um... Because Epic also got like a whole, like a way more bigger influx of cash from, uh, what was it, Tencent? Oh, oh yeah. Like Tencent, like a, like last year, bought like a whole bunch of stock. Like, remember yeah, I know. how trend. people were all like, oh, no, we don't want them to like own stock in, in, in Epic. And um, because then they're going to force uh, them to like get our data and stuff like that. And microtransactions all the way. Yeah, and Microsoft and Tim Sweeney is like, yeah, over my dead body. <laughs> well, and, and I'm, paraf- I'm, paraphrasing, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but basically it came down to, no, I'm the CEO and co-founder of this. Was he the co-founder? Was he one of the co-founders? Funny thing is, is Fortnite lives off of microtransactions and the battle pass. Yeah. It, it brought them literally billions. I read a couple of weeks, uh, a couple of months ago, how much money they made off of Fortnite, and it's literally a couple of billion. Yeah, I mean, that's why they can afford to do stuff like give games away for free on the Epic Game Store, yep. and ha- having people use the, the Unreal Engine until, you know, they make a certain amount of money. Yep. You know, so, yeah. I mean, uh, as long as they can stay themselves, it's fine. Um yeah, my 
Sony owning like one point something percent. Yeah, that's not like that's not a lot. No, Tencent owns more. Yeah, Tencent owns like way more. So <laughs> be way more worried about that one, people. Um, speaking of rumors and leaks and rumors, this one has been uh, been banging for a couple of weeks. I didn't bring it up because, uh, well, I didn't I didn't feel like there was anything concrete to back it up. But now there's way more concrete evidence to back up the this rumor and that is that there's going to be a nintendo direct uh july 20th uh which is of course on our off week so that means we won't be able to talk about it until the week afterwards that's fine um again this these are really strong rumors they haven't been confirmed by nintendo yet so that means that it could also be that it's not true at all um but a lot of uh game retailers uh, gamestop have had um placeholder titles um appear in their queue for nintendo switch games okay so like it, this has been happening over the past week and when that stuff happens usually there's either an event that's going to come up that's going to reveal what these games are um or they're just going to be like a bunch of developers that are going to be announcing games for a certain platform in this case the switch in a very short period of time i'm still thinking it's the latter but it could still be that it is a nintendo direct that's coming we know that nintendo said earlier this year when the pandemic was really taking off um, that they weren't going to be doing directs anytime soon because uh, of the logistics of it all apparently they were able to make one now if the rumors are true it would be nice um because of all the because of all the the because of the good grief i can't talk <laughs> <laughs> because of the big 3 nintendo is the only one that hasn't done anything significantly throughout the summer um like at the the only thing that they did was announce paper mario and the origami king which is coming out uh, this week uh, alongside Ghost of Tsushima. So, you know, big week for gaming. Um, I took a day off so I can play extra Ghost of Tsushima this week. Oh, I never do that. Of course you did. And the, the review embargo lifts in two days. So if the game gets bombed in the reviews, then I'll probably have to take that day off back and work an extra day. I'm actually, I'm actually not... I won't be surprised if we'll see a lot of positive reviews because I feel like that's just what's going to happen. I think um, so far, Sucker Punch has delivered. They uh, have not made like a crappy game so far, but maybe also because of the time they take to make it. Um, I mean, the I'm always biased because, you know, when it comes to Sony games, I and especially on this scale, I'll always be biased. Of mm. course, Sony makes games that I just don't like, and then I just don't have an opinion on it. Generally, it's just Japan studio games. But when I saw this, like, three years ago at the Paris Games Week, I was I thought, this game's going to be awesome. And I just knew it back then. Same with, same with Days Gone. Like, okay, this game's going to be awesome. Eh, for 30 bucks, it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Um, did you hear the news that they actually um, worked with uh, Kurosawa, uh, Kurosawa's estate really? to, 
to uh to uh license that the name for the for the film for the for the cinematic uh black and white filter yeah wow that's cool i don't know if i'll i I don't know if i want to play the game because i thought about it but i don't Mm. know if i want to play the game in black and white because the game looks so pretty and so colorful and i wouldn't want to miss out on that you don't want to miss out on the okay. That's fair to say that. I, don't I want mean, to miss like out. they've put so much time and effort into crafting this beautiful, colorful world, but they also put so much time and effort into making that cinematic um, mode be like a Kurosawa, Kurosawa movie. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe if I if I'll ever do a new game plus, I'll do it in that way. Because same goes for Japanese voice acting. Initially, I thought uh, maybe that'll be cool because I played Yakuza Kiwami in. Well, you can only play it in Japanese. And I, and I liked it, but when I saw it during the state of play, it felt off. It didn't feel like, I don't know, for some reason that either the lip sync didn't really look good or maybe that the, the voices didn't match the characters you would expect. That kind of threw me off. I'm like, I don't know if I want to play this in Japanese. Because hmm. normally I'd say like, hey, that's pretty cool if the game's Japanese. I'll just play it in Japanese because it adds an extra layer of uh, immersion. Yeah. Oh, we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the game looks so pretty that I'd almost say it's a launch PS5 game. I mean, they had a lot of time to put into it, and I'm assuming that the footage that we saw was for the PlayStation 4 Pro. So They have confirmed uh, it's all PS4 Pro content. Yeah, so that makes a lot of sense, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, I think it leads us to the thing I mentioned earlier, that there's rumors floating around that game prices will go up once more. Yep. Oh, didn't we talk about it in the last episode? No. Or did we miss that one? No, because it's a rumor that's only been popping up since last week. Right, right, right. So it well, all started. It's, it's been popping up for like longer than that. It's just really? not been. Yeah, it's not been as. It got um, big with forever. NBA 2K. Yeah, I mean, it was something that. It was something that. It wasn't rumored, but people were discussing it that um, odds are that prices might actually go up and then. Um, people like the insiders started talking about yeah their odds are like prices are gonna go from 60 to 70 bucks and um i feel on the one hand i feel that it makes sense in the sense that if you look at how gaming game prices have been for the past 15 20 years they've always been kind of the same Last time the games prices were raised the was last during Modern Warfare. The last time it raised was during the PlayStation 3 era. Yeah, it was uh, Activision that did it with Modern Warfare 2, I think. Yeah. And everybody followed suit after that. Mm-hmm. Well, except Nintendo, because theirs were always 10 euros cheaper. But then with the Switch, the Switch, the Switch tax was introduced and everything. <laughs> you know, I'm still mind blown that the Switch games always are 60 bucks there's like never a sale on switch games unless you buy it second half well i mean if it's a nintendo game once in a while they'll do their 33 percent off which is like what a weird arbitrary number 33 percent whatever yeah um like do 50 man gosh darn it yeah but like if you look at the so at the playstation sale and then the microsoft i don't i think microsoft does it was about if you look at the playstation store sale Basically, every week, there's a sale going around. I mean, Nintendo has sales, too. It's just not Nintendo doesn't usually have sales on their games unless it's, you know, summer or spring or 
Christmas sale or Halloween sale. Sony and then, their sale every week. Yeah. They'll have pre-spring sale, and then after that, they'll have spring sale, and then they'll probably have after spring sale. And, then... and they also combine that with PlayStation Plus membership. So yep. Yep. you can get extra discount if you're a PlayStation Plus subscriber, which yep. you know you have to be if you're playing online. Yep. Um, they also give and... a lot of discount to PS Plus. Yeah. It's actually so, pretty, pretty good value, kind of like Microsoft does with the Game Pass and has this ultimate with Xbox Live and Gold and all that stuff in it. Pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, the price is going up. I feel it makes sense. It has to because in all entertainment, prices have gone up. Movie tickets, yep. um, streaming services, prices go up. I mean, it's not like a lot, like a buck every year or so. Or every two years, depending on how the economy is. Netflix has upped their prices by a couple of hundred percent in the last few years. And people still yeah. buy it. Exactly. So it's weird that it doesn't happen in gaming. And especially if you look at indie titles. Even indie titles have steadily gone up. Because it used to be like the standard what people would be willing to pay for an indie title was, what, five bucks? And, and then, it, then it went to ten. And then it went to 15. Now you're paying 20, early, early access. 20, 30, 20, 30 bucks. Yeah, or early access. Or early access. Then early access is the, sometimes the only way that you can get an indie title on oh. the cheap early on. Because by the time it officially releases, it's like, you know, two times, three times more expensive. What, uh, what was the game called again? Depending on the game. Uh, Star Citizen, I think it's the perfect example. That game rakes in really millions. Dumb. <laughs> and that game is not even out yet. Yeah, I mean, like, like they have ships you can still buy. Playing the alpha. Yeah, and there are ships you can buy for a couple of thousand dollars, and it's still a pre-alpha game or an alpha game. And there, like, it, that game feels like a friend of mine played it. Has it? He says it's actually pretty nice. But when I look and think about the game, it feels like the carrot and the stick. They constantly mm. keep the carrot in front of me, but they always slap me with the stick after I give them my money. That's why I don't want to give them my money. Something is gonna give her that project, I swear. If I, I feel like it's gonna be this the CEO of the company ran away with all the money, or he spent all the money on now. The problem is, there's feet. I, I told you this before. The problem with that project is that there's like a whole bunch of feature creep because the director of the, of the game is like, Yeah, put this in, put this in, put this yeah. in. This in. I like this. Keep this in. Put this in. Put this in. And basically, they're just burning money on development. Uh, whenever they get an influx of money, it's gone because they have to pay people. <laughs> crazy. It is crazy. The benefit of raising the prices, though, could mean because that's the, the other price. I mean, like game development has gone up considerably from a yeah. cost point of view. And nobody has ever compensated for that in the price. Um Sony historically has never made money off the console until the PS4. They always made money off the off the game, the disc. Um, now they're licenses. Yeah, the, now they're saying, okay, if the prices of games go up even by ten dollars or euros, it could mean that Sony and Microsoft could subsidize, as they call it, I believe, more of the price, so they could say, like, you know what, since pricing of games go up by ten bucks. We can afford to drop the price by, for example, a hundred bucks. Or the PS4 5 could be the digital edition could be 399 because those are like, you know what, 50 bucks we pay out of our own pocket because 
we take out the Blu-ray drive and all the stuff around it. So like we say 50 bucks there and the other 50 will throw in because we're raising prices of games by 10 bucks. So it'll offset that, meaning there could be a 399 version of the PS5. You know what really would be nice because of the price hike? No. Developers getting paid better. That is, I fear, a thing that will always be an issue and it will differ per country because in the Netherlands, there are just pretty good laws that protect people. Mm. But like in the greatest country in the world, I fear not. (laughs) 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 No kidding. Yeesh. Yeah, oh, and it's really that. hard for me to, to not say that's really on my mind, because if I say that, we'll probably have a scandal on our hands. Mm-hmm. People riding down around their motorcycles here. Nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I hope it does. I, I wouldn't mind if the prices go up by 10. I know it'll probably be a huge issue if it does, because mm-hmm. people will like cry heresy and whatnot and i see the pitchforks and all that stuff coming out already oh i see i see microsoft leveraging game pass in that regard like big time oh definitely oh definitely but it's somebody has to come out and say look people it's been 15 years since we did this and game development has become so expensive and we never charge you extra for it now we're going to ask you for 10 bucks but for that extra 10 bucks we're going to give you so much value back just deal with it i mean i think maybe call of duty will if the pricing is correct, Call of Duty will be one of those games that ups the price and the rest will follow suit. Yep, and they'll still charge you for the battle pass. But I only wonder one thing, because now there is, in a way, there is already an increase. Because if you buy, a, and I don't know how it is on the Microsoft front, but if I wanted to buy The Last of Us mm-hmm. digitally so I could play it day and uh, at, at night of the release. And I went to the PlayStation Store and it was 70 bucks, digital. And I was like, hey, but isn't this supposed to be 60? Because I'm used to spending 60 bucks on a game. And then I looked on various retailers and some sold it for 60, some sold it below 60. And I thought, hey, but that's strange. I'm paying a premium to get the game first, early. Uh, early. Why is that? Because I can remember, I've bought a gazillion games digital on the PlayStation Store. For example, with The Division, I bought the, um, the Ultimate Edition. So that meant you get the game, the, the season pass included. And you got two weeks earlier access. It was 100 bucks. But if you bought that physical, it was also still 100 bucks. So there was no extra added tax. But then I started looking and I thought, you know, I can remember that at least all the Sony games are 10 bucks more digital. So I wonder if they add this price increase of 10 bucks, does this mean that at least Sony or other digital titles will become 80 bucks? Because then we're talking about like, that's a pretty big number. And I know it's only 10 bucks, but if I tell you that a game costs 80 bucks from a psychological point of view, mm-hmm. it sounds like a lot of money or 79.99. But it sounds like a shitload of money. And then I'm reminded that in Japan, like if you buy a game, sometimes it's like 90 bucks. Really? Mm. Holy crap. 
Like it, because like I I know this because I, I the fact that I forgot this is actually astounding because sometimes I'll check prices on for example like the Nintendo eShop or um, if I'm going online like Amazon Japan um, because it, sometimes it's just like I browse stuff there and I look at prices for for games for example and they'll be at least 15, 20 bucks more than here. Like for example, uh, uh, dang it, what was the game? There was a game that I wanted to buy. It was new. Um, I think, right. So they, um, they, they, they released the remastered version of uh, Catherine full, full body for switch. I have no idea what that is, but it sounds strange, which is an, which is an Atlas game. Um, basically the game that they put out before persona five. Okay. Because they wanted, because that was their first HD game. And on switch in Japan, it costs 75 bucks. That's still a lot. It's a, it's 75 bucks, but if you buy it here, it's, I think 60 or 70. Then the difference is 15, which is still a lot. Yeah, exactly. But like for example, a big title can sometimes be eight like eight thousand yen. That sounds like a lot. Which is about eighty bucks. I mean, I think But that's but that's Japan's thing because for example, blue like if you buy a Blu-ray movie or whatever, or a series with like a but a couple of episodes on it, even that is like really expensive. Here if you buy a Blu-ray, what was it like twenty bucks? Maybe thirty at the most. Maybe thirty for like a movie. There you get like a fancy version. There it's fifty, sixty bucks. What? Seventy bucks if it's like a special edition. Holy crap! Yeah, actually no. Sometimes it's seventy bucks and it's not even a special edition. It's but just... like, do people then at least get it? It's like the 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 modest income there high enough to offset it so like that uh, oh but they have the the games are expensive but you know the guy the people working there make a lot of money so you know it's it's imbalanced here it's I strange think, i think so i'm not 100 sure but the thing is media has always been more expensive in japan in general even though a lot of the stuff gets made there yep okay but they say the technology is cheap there relatively yes Okay. Like I mean, the, the the thing that is that you don't have here as much it is that there are some a very decent used um secondhand industry in Japan yeah. where you can get stuff secondhand, but secondhand doesn't mean like it's all busted and everything. It's still pristine. It's just it's cheaper. So most people like people that can afford it will buy it new, but people that can't afford it will buy it secondhand because it's cheaper to buy it secondhand. Even like new titles that come out, like if you if you're patient for like a week or two, you can buy it used for probably uh, ten to twenty thousand yen cheaper if you're lucky. That's nice. Did I say ten? I mean a thousand to two thousand yen cheaper. Yeah, because here if you generally buy something secondhand, it's like scraps. <laughs> exactly unless you're yeah. lucky yeah i mean that's why like that's why one of the cool things is like if you're a retro collector and you go to japan you can sometimes get like some really cool stuff pristine or close to pristine or like in very good condition for like really cheap nice 
guys could tell. Yeah. So yeah, the the the, the pricing thing, people, it's gonna be met with a lot of people not liking it at first, but people are gonna just gonna have to accept it. I, at one point, I, they I, have I no think choice. at this point it's unavoidable. Yeah. I don't. I think that might be one of the reasons why pricing on the systems has been postponed for so long. Yeah. I think that ties back into that. So, you know, yeah. be, like, be prepared, people. I, I wonder because like at, at one point I'd say, you know, you don't have a choice. You, yeah. you can boycott it as much as you want. But mm-hmm. if it's something you really want, you'll just have to cave. Or it, it will mean that you will have to wait a long enough time until the game is available secondhand or you can find it somewhere else cheaper. But um, if it's, let, let me put it this way, if it's, Breath of the Wild 2, and you really want to pay that on day one, and it's going to be 80 bucks or 70 bucks, you're just going to spend that 70 or 80 bucks. You're not going to wait for it for weeks until you find it somewhere cheap because people just want to play it. You know, we're, yeah. in the, we're, we're living in this world that everything needs to be immediate and fast and now. People aren't as patient as they used to be. Um, I, I do wonder because if it is true, for example, from a PlayStation point of view, is. Um, are people going to buy the digital edition more then because it's cheaper? Or uh, allegedly cheaper? Uh, yeah, I, but I like, don't know. Yeah. I, they might. I mean, they might. Okay, because, but then, then I think if people do that, um, what about. I mean, at least. Well, at least, at least I think. I don't know if the incentive is there to buy the digital version. For I mean, at least like, for Sony, for Microsoft, I can totally like I can totally see that again because of Game Pass and smart delivery. Mm-hmm. I can totally see people buying that because if you have Game Pass, you're basically set. Yeah, as long as you're if as long as you're paying for that and for you know Xbox Live, um, you're pretty much set. You're done. Like you're you're getting your games at least the first party games. You're getting those. It's all good. Um, Sony's is a bit a tougher sale, especially since you know PlayStation Plus games are mm, leave leave a lot to be desired. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, it's the ten year anniversary of PlayStation Plus, and they're bringing out three games. One of which had a discount earlier in the year for I think three bucks on PlayStation Network, which was um, uh, NBA Two K Twenty. Like you could buy it for like three, three or four bucks on PlayStation, uh, PlayStation Network. Uh, I think in April or something that like this because of the car because of the coronavirus thing. They're like, you know what? We're gonna make it super cheap on all platforms. So I I bought it on Switch for three bucks. Um, so yeah, people already own that game if they don't already. So nice that you're giving that for free. The other one was Tomb Raider, and the other one was a game that I had even never even had heard of. Um, what was it called again? Do you remember the third I, game? I don't know. One? It was like a really vague, uh, almost felt like a Japanese kind of game. Actually, kind of felt more like an indie title, but sure. Um, All the strange things I automatically associate with Japanese games. <laughs> <laughs> oh, way to go there, dude. <laughs> But hey, that's because I heard some pretty disturbing Japanese games, so that's why I was like, hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, 
All right, so there is one more thing that I wanna I wanted to just mention before we uh, go into what we've been playing, and uh, this past week uh, marks the fifth anniversary of Satoru Iwata's passing. Oh, that's sad. Yeah, that is, like the the fact that it's been five years is actually it doesn't feel like five years. It exactly. It doesn't. It literally felt like it just recently happened, and yeah, um, yeah. It, it's still kind of sad. I mean, like the last thing he worked on was the development of the Switch. So the fact that the Switch has actually been quite successful um, is part is part in thanks to his hand in that development, and you know. Nintendo has had its ups and downs, but as an individual, Iwata himself um, did a lot of cool things. Um, he, he, I mean, he got his start at HAL Laboratories, which later reformed as HAL. Um, they worked with Nintendo basically from the get-go. Um, he did a lot of, um, you know, some programmer for hire stuff for Nintendo. Um he basically the only reason Pokemon Gold and Silver is two games in one is because of him, um, because they couldn't get the the system to work. At the, they couldn't get the game to fit on the cartridge, and he just retooled one of his old um, uh, compression uh, systems, and he compressed two games into one. Wow! Which is why, which is why in Pokemon Gold and Silver, you're not only in the Johto region, but you also travel back to the Kanto region. And um, he did a lot of stuff for Nintendo right right up until he became president of Nintendo. Um, even working on uh, Smash uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee, um, and basically doing overtime for them to get the game out on time. And and as president, you know, he led the big the big blue ocean strategy for them. The, the the DS Wii U era the Wii U uh, Wii era was all under him. Um, Wii U, unfortunately, not a great thing. But even when that wasn't successful, he decided that he and the other higher ups took took a pay cut instead of firing people, because he knew that you know firing people is not the way to motivate people to let you know like do their best. So he Miyamoto and a bunch of other executives took a pay like multiple pay cuts pay cuts during the during the Wii U era. So yeah. Like love him or hate him, like the dude was amazing. Um and it's just sad that he wasn't able to um get the recognition for you know this the the Switch's success. Did he not really? I mean he did, but you know, he didn't get to see it see it happen i think uh you know the wii was a huge success unfortunately because you know what my biggest issue with the wii was is it changed gaming forever in a bad way because because of the wii mommy and daddy and granny and grampy also wanted to play games or started playing games with all those silly games and because of that, a lot of companies said, oh, but we don't have to focus on a hardcore gamer anymore. We can just focus on this whole new category called casual gamers. And it affected game development in such a way that a lot of games became too soft. Let me put it that way. 
and then you I, would just like I, I you would just that, yeah go ahead yeah you would just look forward to a really cool game and then you would figure out like oh but this game isn't as its predecessors were or this is really meant to be super accessible and I, I i want gaming to be accessible to everybody because that's the power of gaming it's it's for everyone and we want everybody to be able to enjoy it but but not in a way that like you water down your game because you want granny and grampy also to play it and like yeah no granny and grampy don't have to play everything some things are best kept for the grandkids instead of for granny and grampy i still believe that at least what the we the we era represented was inclusion and honestly it's like inclusion is good for the industry definitely because because when that happened that was especially during that time it was oh the call of duty area you know modern warfare like ooh shooty shooty bang bang like basically when i like shooty shooty bang bang I'm I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but I am saying that whenever, especially during that time, whenever someone asked me like what I was into and I said video games, they're like, oh, like the Call of Duty. And I had to like, yeah, Call of Duty is a thing, but that's like the not the only thing that exists. <laughs> and I feel that the Wii era and the DS, actually, especially the DS era, emphasized that games did not just have to be like for the hardcore gamer. You could have really fun games. I mean, that's why... That's why stuff like uh, Rhythm Heaven and WarioWare like appealed to me because even though it's not a hardcore game, it's something that everybody can easily pick up and play, and it's still fun. Don't get me wrong; there are some developers that took advantage of that in the most stupidest ways. Looking at you, Carnival Games, but that's the exception to the rule and not the norm. I, uh, I mean, like. I think gaming needed it to get where we are now. But I think that, and that's the difference between gaming and and a lot of people never look at it that way, but gaming outgrosses all the media and blah, blah, blah industries combined every year. But it's maybe also because a game can easily cost 60 bucks, whereas a movie ticket is 10, 15. So you still have that difference. But gaming isn't that old. I mean, if you look back at film, it's one of the oldest mediums to get it with print and radio and stuff like that. Movies, but are, movies are over a hundred years old now. Yeah, so like it's been around for a century, whereas gaming is forty four decades, maybe at best. Yeah. So like it's a pretty young. It's it's you would almost say it's like a baby compared to uh, film or to radio or to uh, print, you know. And now you're kind of getting these growing pains that we're going through, like. You know, the harassment and stuff like that that's happening. Um, but, like, I might not be happy with what happened with the Wii and stuff, but I think it is one of those things that was necessary. Sometimes you need a big enough change to get somewhere. It might not always be the, the nicest of changes, but, you know, we probably wouldn't have gotten where we were if it was specifically that era of gaming. Mm-hmm. Hey, look at it this way. If it wasn't for the Wii, you wouldn't have the Move controller and you wouldn't have something to play your PlayStation VR with. Yeah, you can think of it that way. I actually have a Move controller. I bought it for uh, SOCOM 4, and I played SOCOM 4 for a little bit with the Move controller. It was actually pretty good. Yeah. I never played it afterwards, but it was actually, for that only game, it was actually pretty good. 
Yeah, I played Time Crisis uh, with uh, with the Move controller. Oh my god, I wish I had known that. I'm, I I have like a special soft spot for Time Crisis because it was one <laughs> of those first games I played on the PS One with the with the gun, and uh, it's one of the games I always want to play. It, it, when I go to an arcade, it's like I automatically associate that with Time Crisis. Like if they don't have Time Crisis, that's not an arcade. It's basically that <laughs> for me. I mean, like when we went to Blast Galaxy, they had Time Crisis, yeah. and yeah, time I was playing Time Crisis the whole night because you know that's my jam. Yeah, people are like, oh, I want to play this, and I'm like, no, 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 I'm good. I have my gun, I have my paddle, I got my drink, and I got Time Crisis. Let's go. <laughs> uh, yeah. So honestly, again, from the bottom of my heart, I say thank you, Arasan. Um. Your yeah, your influence in the game industry has been uh, big. Uh, not just that, but also let's not forget the directs. I mean, he was literally the face of a Nintendo for like a really long time. I mean, you don't see, you, you don't, you don't, not, 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 not to, not, not to, not to diss anybody. You know, must much love and respect to you know, like Phil Spencer, dude's awesome. But I don't see him doing something like a Nintendo Direct. No, but it's also maybe that it's also maybe a cultural difference. It's partially a cultural difference, but honestly, I think he legit like he legitimately enjoyed doing those. Things. Yeah, yeah, because if I if I were to say okay, if like for me, Phil Spencer and and the Xbox brand in general, if it feels really masculine, really manly and mature, and and like yeah, it feels like that. Whereas. With PlayStation, I I say like no, it's not that. PlayStation is more of a middle ground, whereas it's more ambiguous. Yeah, yeah, and and Nintendo on the other hand is more like family friendly and more like if I would say name a color, I'd say a happy color, you know, for Nintendo. Whereas with uh, with Xbox, I'd say like oh, a dark color, gunmetal gray, it's something like that. Yeah, or space uh, gun Saturn blah 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 gray or something. Uh, and with Sony, I'd say oh, it's blue. You know, but that's that's also maybe the difference, you know, that because Microsoft always shows off these, I don't know, I always get this image of like a Gears of War in my head or stuff mm. like that. It's just so, rah, you know, and I, I Very gen- boys club. yeah, and normally I'll, I'll, I'll like rah, but in this case, when I think about like, yeah, I don't know if Phil Spencer, if Phil Spencer did something like Iwata-san did, people would just like say, hey, this guy needs to resign right now. Because we don't want to be treated like little kitty, so I don't know what this guy is doing, but he definitely yeah, but needs to. Like, but the thing is, in the direction, it's not like it was down. It, it wasn't talking down to the audience. No, it but just... people would experience it that way. They would say like, "We don't want to be treated like kids because it's not manly. You know, it's not masculine." Okay, I've never heard anybody say that about Awara. In a, in a no, 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 but like the... Oh, you mean like if someone else did it, you mean? Yeah, if Spencer did it, then that would be the reaction. Oh, but I totally see Shu Aosia doing something like that. Though. Yeah, but that's maybe that's given, what I meant. Given the chance, given the chance, I feel like if Shu you know, was yeah. allowed to do something like that, he would do it. But I, that's why I'm saying, like, maybe it's also a cultural thing because Shu Yoshida is like the coolest exec in Sony and like the, the kindest and the funniest. Like at one E3, he said, "Oh, besides being the president of Worldwide Studios." I'm also a customer support representative when I talk to all of you on Twitter. And then he would show all those tweets he has. But, like, the guy is just so fun and full of energy. And so if you, if you see the guy, you just want to give the guy a hug, you know? It's just, like, that's the kind of guy he is. 
Yeah. <sighs> yeah, I honestly, I just, I still miss the guy. I can't imagine. So, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Nintendo's doing good. Hopefully we'll find out more about what they're doing. I just wanted to bring that up. Hey, I, uh, I think we should end it on that note. All right, so stick around, guys. We'll be right back with what we've been playing. All right, we're back with what we've been playing. Uh, Sean Templar, uh, it's been a couple weeks. What have you been playing? I have been playing a couple of games. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm... uh... I don't feel like playing a lot, but that's basically because there isn't a lot. And after I finished The Last of Us, I, I didn't do New Game Plus. I'm still in doubt if I should do it or not. Um, what I have do been doing, it. I don't know, you know, because it's like, eh, I don't know. But um, I went back to a game called Motorsport Manager. I, I played it uh, last year. Since Formula One started again, I was all up in the in the Formula One mood, and I didn't want to buy Formula One 2020 because um, I wasn't sure if it was last year when I bought it. It was even a discount in a couple of weeks later, and eventually I didn't play it as much as I played Formula One 2018. So um, I thought, like you know what, maybe if I'll see it in a sale for thirty bucks, I'll buy it. But then the reviews came out, and the reviews are pretty good. Like getting eight or nine across the board because this year they've added the feature to bring your own team to the grid, which they didn't have. So this is whole manager mode. You can be the eleventh team on the grid, and you have to develop your own car and recruit your own drivers. And it's a pretty managerially aspect. And I thought, wait a minute, I have a game that does that and more. Motorsport Manager. And the cool part is, is it supports mods, so you can download e- either the current season or past season. So I'm playing season twenty nineteen, and Actually, I'm further than I've ever been because generally when I started it, I quit after like two or three races because I just didn't feel it. But now um, I'm the team principal for Red Bull Racing and um, I'm actually in race 12, I think, of 21. So it's pretty mm-hmm. lot. I've played a lot. I've played like maybe Steam says I've played 18 hours in the last few days. Um, and it's it's cool to see that in the in the real life red bull racing is a competitive team it's like in a top three um and here it's almost in the top three and then the, the cool part is, is you get to, to develop your team so you can hire new mechanics and new engineers and you can develop the whole car and you can develop parts so just like when in the real race that they bring upgrade packages to certain races throughout the year um, I've built new engines and, and rear wings and suspensions and stuff like that. And you can, uh, when you build it, you can, you get like this, there's, it starts at as a, as an average, it's kind of like in a loot game, it starts in an average and then you have legendary parts so you can develop and research that. And if you want a legendary engine, there are requirements such as a, a specific testing facility or like a wind tunnel. And so it's, it's almost like these RPG mechanics woven in there. And then um, I'm at the point now that I've done a couple of upgrades. And then when you do an upgrade, the, you can have your team either work on the reliability of that upgrade or that part or on the performance. Because if you build a new engine, it could be that the engine is really fast, but has like the worst reliability, meaning it could break on you during the race. And then you have to 
fix it in the pit window and then means the pit stop takes longer meaning you lose your position and blah 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 so uh it's it's pretty in-depth and i really like it because i've gotten to the position now or to the point in in the in career that i'm actually starting to get a few podiums that my car is really starting to get competitive because normally i'd be all over the place and qualifying would be all over the place and now I'm like in that top five and I've actually done a few podiums with my drivers. In fact, I've, one of my drivers did a podium that I didn't expect him to do because I was so focused on my other drivers. So look, in my career, I have Max Verstappen and Pierre Gasly. And in the real Formula One season last year, Pierre Gasly was demoted to Toro Rosso because he wasn't as good as they expected him. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started out the season, it was the same situation. Pierre Gasly was actually pretty <laughs> shitty. And I thought, like, okay, well, we're just going to have to do him the real deal. So I, I thought I tried to get the real replacement, but he was too expensive for my taste. I'm like, look at you, little shit. <laughs> You're asking a lot of money, you know? <laughs> and then I thought, you know what? I'll just find another driver. Uh, so I recruited Carlos Sanz, who is uh, actually the, one of the best rookie drivers i wouldn't even say rookie drivers he's like one of the the better drivers and he's going to ferrari next year uh he, okay. he finished best of the rest as they call it so he was basically the fourth um outside of the big teams and uh, i recruited him but before i recruited him pierre gasly actually started to win races so uh, so i'm in a position that i hired a new driver i thought you know what i'll put carlos sands in my second driver's seat and i'll make Gasly, a reserve driver, just to be sure before I fire him. Um, but the funny thing is, as I was in this race, and I was, Gasly was always lacking behind. So I was so focused on Max that race. I was like, okay, okay, I need to nail a podium. I need to nail a podium. And then the race, and I'd just done a few settings for Gasly. I'm like, I'm not even looking at his car. I'm just focused on Max. And then suddenly the race ends, and I'm like, oh, probably Hamilton won. And I look, and it's like, Pierre Gasly got P1. He won the race. I'm like, huh? What the hell just happened? I just put him kind of like on an auto mode. I actually didn't give him any attention. And he just outright won the race and Max got four. <laughs> like, what? This is not what I was expecting. So that was a nice surprise. And then a couple of races after that, he like got P3 and P2. I'm like, what's going on here? I'm actually outperforming Max, you know? that That's not how it happens in real life. Um, so it's, it's really fun. And I, I really like going back to it. And I'm thinking like, okay, should I go to another team in my second season or should I stay? Because I actually want to win the Constructors Championship with uh, Red Bull. And then eventually I would just want to move on to Ferrari because I'm a Ferrari fan. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually want to do that. So I'm like, well, you know, maybe I should first become champion with uh, f- uh, with the Red Bull and then move over to a different team. Um, but that, it's really fun. I'm really having the time of my life. I didn't expect it. Um, I've also been playing another game called 8-Bit Armies. Um, yeah, and um, I, I, I'm a huge fan of the No Clip YouTube channel, which is basically game documentaries, and they kind of go in pretty cool areas and they, they interview pretty uh, wide range of developers, both indies and uh, established ones. So they did an episode around the Command and Conquer remaster that came out recently. So I thought, like, hey, it's pretty interesting. And so I watched it, and I know that um, the the remaster is done by Petroglyph, and Petroglyph is basically a studio made by former Westworld, Westwood people who came up with the original Command & Conquer. And they've been making RTS games for 16 years. Uh, and they made an RTS game called 8-Bit Armies, and it came out in 2016. And I saw it, and I'm like, no, maybe I should try it. And then I watched some videos, and it's literally an 8-bit version of Red Alert. 
And, I, and it was esteemed too. And I said to a friend, "This is this is the this is our calling. This is what we've been waiting for all these years." We bought it for like ten bucks with an expansion, and we played it, and we didn't even have to follow the t- the tutorial. It is literally red alert in eight bit. It's really cool. It has a really cool, colorful style. Um, it it has the same principle. You build a power plant, and then you build a refinery, and then you can build a barrack. And we played a couple of matches against the AI together. Um, yeah. And the AI is pretty mean. They they rush you pretty. Quickly. <laughs> I didn't expect that on normal. Um, and it, it's just really fun. And then, for example, with your tank, you can run over infantry. Then they, they splatter and their blood is all squarey and pixely, of course. Uh, it's, 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 it, it lacks the depth a general's has. Because mm. your units gain, normally in generals, for example, your units gain rank. Ranks. And uh, they have upgrades. So it lacks a little bit of depth. But besides that, for like 10 bucks, it's the most fun I've had in a while. And it's just literally just Red Alert. I'm, I'm trying to tell everybody that used to play Red Alert, hey, you should buy this game, man. We can play uh, 16 uh, uh, people on a map or something like that. So it, it's really fun. I would recommend it to people that are stable fans. servers. Or is it like peer-to-peer? I honestly don't know, because a friend of mine just hosted it and I joined the server. Oh, then it's peer-to-peer. I think it's oh, peer-to-peer. Okay. Yeah. Really it's, it's really nice. I, I'm really happy uh, that I found it. Um, I didn't want to buy the remaster for Red Alert because um, I'm a fan of Red Alert 2 and they did only the remaster for Red Alert 1. Um, but I hope that this opens the possibility that EA will kind of go back to RTS games again. Um, it'd be nice. I have. Uh, I'm of course a huge fan of Total War, and uh, Troy is coming out in less than a month now. Mm-hmm. So you know, in the meantime, I'll play that. But Eight uh, Bit Armies, it was a nice surprise. It's uh, if we did hidden gem, I would say that's a hidden gem. That is a true hidden gem. Hidden gem. <laughs> <laughs> and besides that, yeah, the basic Call of Duty. You know, sometimes pop into a server, play some Call of Duty. Mm. It's fun, the war zone. You know, it's just. I'm normally not the guy that goes into game chat because I hate game chat because it's just basically British 12, 13 year old guys that just scream a lot and just, you know, annoy the shit out of you. I, I respect mm. rich people. I have rich friends, but, you know, if I. People know that call, the play Call of Duty, they know what kind of annoying people there are. And lately we've been joining game chat with, with a group of friends. And then they just try to drive everybody insane. And the other day we were playing a match and there was this uh, French guy, I think. He walked into a room and I shot him. And that was the winning kill. And he went, ain't shit over the microphone. Because if you're in game chat, you don't hear the other team unless you kill somebody. Then you get like the last few seconds, the mic turns on. So you you generally hear people screaming or shouting or in shock. And then when the match is over in the in-between lobby, you can hear each other. And this guy went apeshit after I killed him. And then in the in-between lobby, he was going completely nuts. I was like, dude, I didn't. Oh, camping, blah, 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 French. He was, he was speaking French. Blah, 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 camping, blah, 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 blah. I'm like, dude, I just got understood the word camping. And I did not camp. I was just there at that moment. And you passed by and I pulled the trigger. It's as simple as that. No, no, blah, 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 blah. You're freaking out. And then... The match finished. We won five to none, and then we match made into another session. Guy was there again. We won another five to none, and then 
it happened again. So eventually he played three games in a row. He didn't win any. He lost them all of them, five to, to none. And then eventually I said, maybe you should just call it a night and just turn off your PlayStation because we won 15 rounds in a row and you haven't won a, a single one. So maybe just call it a night. And then he went off five. <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, I'm the last person that says that kind of stuff. But it was just funny. <laughs> It was, and eventually, I won't say his name, um, but the funny thing is, is that um, eventually the guys that I was playing with started mm. to uh, call out his name, but they started to mix it up, make songs, annoying sounds around it, and it was really funny. <laughs> I think the guy went completely nuts. Oh, no. But that's basically it. Yeah. I think, yeah, I don't hope the guy's traumatized. Yeah, I hope so either, man. Yeah. I mean, Call of Duty is fun, but it can get annoying at sometimes. Yeah, just be careful, you know, because the line between uh, fun and being toxic is razor thin. I know, and that's why I'm not a fan of game chat, because generally when I'm playing a match, I turn game chat off, so I, like, I mute everybody so I can just focus on my own, because... And that's something I do not miss in Call of Duty is that sometimes people have their microphones turned on and there's so much stuff happening in that background and you're hearing all of that. Sometimes it's people that are together in the same room and then they're either talking or sometimes even shouting or there's music or whatever. It distracts too much. So generally, I just yeah. turn game chat off and then I just play it that way. But the group I play with, it's like happy hour if we go into game chat. <laughs> oh. Well, that's it. What have you been playing? Uh, well, I actually did play a bit of uh, Warzone uh, a while back, um, single player. Um, I still kind of suck at that. But I did try that new mode that they had in the rotation for a, for, for a bit. Yeah. Um, the, uh, what's it called again? The one with the money? Blood money? No, um... What's it called? Blood money? I think it's called Blood Money. It's Blood Money, right? Yeah, that, that, was, that was fun. That was fun. Because with that, you can actually respawn back into the game and continue. Um, but since I was playing alone, you know, I couldn't get the money. It's like, I can get the money, but I couldn't get a lot of it. Um, so I played a few rounds of that. I then proceeded to dump the whole gosh darn game off my PlayStation. Because <laughs> I wanted to try out uh, Star Wars Battlefront 2 because that was on PS, uh, PlayStation Plus. Um, and I was right to do so because that game was 115 gigabytes, even though <laughs> the download page says 49. And you're still rocking a 500 gigabyte launch PS4 hard drive. Yeah, um, we had a little bit of a technical mishap there, so uh, I hope you enjoyed the elevator music again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should use something else. No, nah, man, the elevator music is king. Man. As long as not one of those bleeps you use, because I remember one time somebody swore and you yeah. used the bleep, but it was so loud, the bleep, yeah, that it just the, hurt my ears. Yeah, the edit on that wasn't good. I apologize. I already apologized for that one. Dang it. Um, so, yeah. Battlefront, Battlefront 2. 2. Yeah. Star Wars. Star Wars. Battlefront 2. Played that. Um, the single player, mostly. Um, the thing is, when you're downloading the game the first time, 
it'll download the arcade uh, the arcade part, which you're playing against bots. When I've played that, the controls felt a little bit weird. I don't know how to describe it. It felt <laughs> weird. Well, it felt a little bit floaty. Uh, I don't know. Like, I I don't know how to describe it. It's it. It didn't feel it didn't feel as tight as say, um, Call of Duty. It, yeah, or you know another third person because I played in third person. Yeah, but I think because maybe maybe you can that's switch between third person and first person. I, maybe yeah. I should try and play it in first person. I yeah. think the third maybe the problem is the third person camera is not that good. Yeah, because um, it's not intended to be. I think that way. Which is weird because back when Pandemic did it, the whole point was doing it in third person. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't think it's their focus. Or their strength? Yeah, I don't know. DICE has not made a third person shooter ever. Except for these two. Yeah. Wait, was, was the first one also? Yep. Yeah, okay, so... Um, yeah, so I played it mostly for the single player, and I, uh, I'm not gonna lie, I actually enjoyed the story, uh, the story of Iden Versio. Um, like, it was, like, the, the cutscenes and stuff acted very well, it felt legit. Um, I like the way the story starts, though. Like, the story starts with you being captured as Iden Versio, and the first thing you do is not play as her. You play as her droid, who um, breaks out of captivity because they're trying to dissect it to get to the information in the droid. And you play as the droid, and that's basically how you learn to control the game. And it's really cool because it's a, it's this stealth moment, and you get there are times where you have to um, uh, shock people um, stealthily so that they don't they don't notice you. And then when you finally get to Iden Versio, you take control of her, and the droid allows you to hack doors. Um, and of course, she's not a she's not a Jedi, so she doesn't have force powers. She's a stormtrooper, or she's, like, well, she's an elite stormtrooper yeah. called uh, kind of like a special it. forces port stormtrooper. Yeah, and. Uh, even th- like the f- you know the funny part in that story is like even even when it's not about skywalkers it's still a family issue <laughs> because her dad is the admiral yep. and it takes place literally during the battle of endor yep so the battle of endor happens and they're like oh yeah we're going to cross the rebellion then like you know the death star goes boom spoilers for you know return of the Return of the Jedi, if you haven't watched it yet, that's your own fault. Um, Generally, you say spoilers first and then you spoil it instead of the other way around. Yeah, but it's a, what, at this point, 30-plus-year-old movie. Who cares? (laughs) Hey, there's still people out there that haven't seen Star Wars. Hey, if you haven't watched Star Wars yet, you're either too young or you didn't care. So, (laughs) you lived under a rock. Or that. Um... But yeah, so you see it happen from their perspective, and they're like, "Oh, dang!" So they're trying to escape from, uh, they're trying to uh, escape from uh, Endor, and they, you know, you do, and then the, you see what the Empire does and all that, and it's like it's really cool. 
uh, how they did it because you don't only play as Iden Versio, you mm-hmm. also take uh, control of what they call you know the heroes. Um, so there's a segment where you actually play as Luke Skywalker, whose voice sounds really weird because it's like a not you know it's not it's Mark not Mark Hamill. Hamill. No. Um, also looks a bit weird too. Like I think it actually kind of nailed the, the the performance capture of the people because. Uh, a lot of people are based like Iden Versio. Her face is based on oh, a real yeah, actor. That, yeah, that's spot on. I mean, yeah. And yeah. Uh, there's um, one of her her right hand, to put it that way. Yeah. Is uh, is did you ever watch uh, Arrow, the DC series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's uh, Laurel's dad. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, right. so it's like spot on. That, that's something that Dice really nailed, like the the facial capture stuff. It's like. Yeah really accurate you immediately yeah, for, know, the, like, hey, for, the, the for the people that they were able to do facial scans for yep perfect like yep. good spot on like great for the people that they couldn't do facial capture for because they had to have younger versions of them like leia looks kind of off too i mean the only one that looked <laughs> decent, like the only ones that look decent is chewbacca because well he's just a walking ball of fur and honestly, like that's the best Chewbacca model I've ever seen in a video game, because yeah. I've seen Chewbacca models before, and like the fur always looks like matted grossness. <laughs> and um, Han Solo actually looked pretty decent, and they yeah. actually got a pretty decent voice double to do a younger, like, uh, well, younger Han Solo. Yeah, uh, I think Obi Wan Kenobi was voiced by the Obi Wan Kenobi from the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, you mean, um, yeah, it has to be because, yeah. you know, they couldn't get Ewan McGregor. Yeah, it, but the lightning list is, like, spot the, the on. The lightning is, like, spot on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it is the same guy. I think they kind of boasted that they got that guy. Yeah, before. I think it's the guy from Clone Wars. I think that they actually mentioned him somewhere. And, not like, I'm not going to lie, like, Han Solo with a beard actually kind of looks cool. <laughs> looks like a, he looks like a dad. <laughs> he looks like a dad before he was a dad. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, it's cool because you, you, you get to experience through the single player, like the different kinds of play styles. Mm-hmm. Um, and Iden Versio's uh, moveset is actually pretty cool because she has the droid. Yep. And the droid has abilities like it allows you to scan for for about 30 seconds so you can see where all your enemies are um or you can send it out to shock if it has enough charge um, and it'll shock one person or if there's like a cluster of enemies it'll shock them all and like ko them um the guns are really cool they uh like the sound design in the game is like spot on like like spot on really good like the, the laser blast sounds like the way that they're supposed to um I would actually the, be surprised if those things were not, that's like the bare minimum you expect because DICE has access to all the assets and they like exactly. went to Skywalker Ranch and they went into the vault and they scanned everything. So like everything Lucasfilm has ever used for Star Wars, they have access to. That's kind yeah. of the perk of having the license. Yeah. And the fun thing is this is all canon. And for something that's specifically only in a video game, if you haven't played the video game, you don't have that experience. It's a pretty cool experience to have. I mean, I haven't finished it yet. And they added like a prologue, not a prologue. They added like an epilogue thing where 
I haven't played it yet, but like I saw the image of it, like you see Aiden Versio and she looks like way older. Um, I haven't finished so that. I, so I'm so I'm actually kind of curious. I want to I want to finish that and play that as well and see where that story leads. Um, so I've so I've been playing that. I think I'm about maybe halfway through the story so far. I'm not 100 percent sure. I haven't checked it up yet online, but yeah, it it's a pretty cool uh, it's a pretty cool single player. Um, outside of that, I've been playing a little bit things here and there. Not a lot of stuff, actually. Um, I've been playing Super Mario World on my commute. Um, because, uh, at the end of the day, when I'm done with work, I'm so tired and so drained that the only thing that my brain can process is something that I've played so many times that it's <laughs> literally muscle memory at this point. Um... So I play that on my commutes on my Switch, of course, via the Nintendo Switch Online service, which is great. Um, I tried, like, I tried playing other stuff, and I, I just did not have the energy for it. Um, what else have I been playing? So I haven't played Xenoblade in a while, and I need to finish that game still. Um, so I, I haven't really gotten the drive to pick it up again, which is kind of like annoying to me because. I've actually gotten further than I originally got, and now I'm again at a blockade. But it's it's a me problem, so I just have to get over myself and just finish the game. <laughs> um, so that's actually the 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 major thing that I've played. Oh wait, there was one thing that I forgot to talk about the last time. Uh, a new game that came out called Ninjala, which is a free to play game for Switch. The... Never heard of it before. <laughs> Um, well, it was announced. It was announced shortly after the Switch was launched. I think the first E three where the Switch was present yeah. is when they announced it, and they had they had gameplay there. But I don't think people. I think they even had people play it. Like journalists were able to play it. But that was back in twenty seventeen. Oh wow! And it and it finally came out this year, and it's free to play, except. It's not here. What? So you can download. I had to download it from the from my US account. Okay. You can't download this stuff from the Dutch eShop. Why? And I don't know why. I have gone to Twitter. I've tried to contact the developers on this, and I have nobody. Nobody's given me a straight answer on this <laughs> or an developer, answer at all. Have they replied to the developer? No, like I tried to con they like I tried to hit up their their um their Twitter account, but they didn't reply to that. So I, so yeah, of course they didn't. But the only thing that I can think of as to why it's not on the Dutch eShop because it's on the UK eShop. Okay. I don't have a UK UK account because why would I have multiple European accounts? Because that would know. be stupid. But apparently I would have to do that if I want to be able to play the single player game because the single player campaign is separate and you have to buy it separately. Okay. Which is really annoying because I actually wanted to play the single player because it actually sounds pretty cool. And for five bucks, you know, you know, it's not that much. But the fact that I can't even do that because it's not available in the Netherlands because probably because it's a free to play game. Mm-hmm. It's not a game that has loot boxes. You get random award rewards when you play it. It has a battle pass. Okay. 
But a battle pass is not randomized. You know what you're getting when you buy a battle pass. It's why Fortnite is still allowed to be played here. So it's so it doesn't make sense that it's not on the eShop. So anybody at Gung Ho listening to this, I doubt it, but hopefully someone can relay this message for me, please. Why can't I why can't I not download Ninjala from the from the Dutch eShop? Just let me <laughs> download it from the Dutch eShop so I can actually give you money. Right now I cannot even buy the battle pass because of this. I can only play it for free, which is fine. But, you know, it's it's a fun it's actually a fun game. I mean, if you've um you know, you know Splatoon, right? Like you've seen Splatoon, right? Yeah, you've shown me. Yeah, so it's kind of like that, but you're ninja kids instead of squid kids. And you use gum to produce weapons and use gum in your maneuvers. <sighs> Like bubble gum, and it's yeah. like it, like the 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 gameplay is actually really smooth. Like the first time I played it, it was kind of weird and awkward because the the battle mechanics are a bit. It felt a bit stiff. Um, I played the beta, um, and then when the full game came, it, the like the battle, like you're fighting when you're fighting against another person. The first time it feels a bit stiff in controls, um, but when you learn to use the lock on system, it's your best friend. Because that allows you to just wail on your enemies. And there's this parry mechanic. Basically, whenever two players attack each other at the same time, it'll uh, enable a uh, parry mechanic where you have to push a directional button. And uh, the person who basically pushes the right directional button at the right time Mm -hmm. wins. So it's kind of like this rock, paper, scissors moment where if... If you're pressing right and I'm pressing up, the person pressing right wins. Um, if you're pressing the same button at the same time, you'll continue to parry until one of you loses. And then you can wail on the other person to get a point. Um, there are also these drones that are floating throughout the level um, that allow you to build up your weapon energy. And when you have enough weapon energy, you can get a bigger weapon, which allows you to KO the other person a lot easier. And the the tally comes down to who has the most points. You get bonus points for getting the most kills or destroying the most drones. So even if, for example, I'm third, but I got the most kills and I got the most drones, I could still end up being first at the end of the, the, the match. Matches last, I think, three minutes. That's so it's also lot. so it's also like Splatoon. Splatoon is also three minutes per match. Okay. And um, you can play team based, but right now it's battle royale. But it's like not like a hundred people. It's I think eight people. Like it's an eight people melee, so it's not like so it's not like a hundred people. But it's fine. It's like honestly. It doesn't matter because the respawn time is fine and it's nice and colorful. I think I think the game currently only has two stages though. Um but like aesthetically it's fun, it's fun looking. Um it looks really, really nice. Again, it's free to play, but if you live in the Netherlands, you can't play it unless you have like a US account or a Japanese account. Um or a UK account. Um I don't know. It's kind of disappointing that you can't even do that. So outside of that, um, I haven't really played anything else. 
So I guess that's it. That's okay, right? <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Cool. I think so, uh, that's it, right? Yeah. Will you uh, sign us off? I will try to do the honors. Uh, okay. So thank you again, as always, for follow uh, for listening to us and for tuning in, especially in these times when podcasts are not listened to as often as normal. Um, you can find us on all platforms that generally have podcasts. So Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, Overcast, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, you can find us on Anchor and you can also leave us a voice message through Anchor. You can do that either by the link in the description or by just using your Anchor account. Uh, you can ask us a question, provide us with feedback, whatever. Uh, we might even feature you as a game rival. Um, you can email us your feedback at gamerivalsfeedback at gmail.com. You can send us a tweet through game underscore rivals underscore. Um, you can tweet at Maximilian at Maximilian. That's right. Uh, we have an Instagram, which we have in the link. The link is in the description. It's Game Rivals. Mm-hmm. Just one word. We also have a YouTube channel, but apparently there are a gazillion Game Rivals, so we'll just drop the link in the description. Um, uh, we have a Discord, which is pretty new. Um, we will the also link is also in the, the in the in the description. Well, yeah, yeah we'll do that. Um, you can join in, or you can talk to us. Uh, we'll try to respond as much as we can. But we've thought maybe that we can create like this game rivals community that it can just kind of grow organically, even if we are not constantly there, even though we try to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that people can just share stuff with each other there and have fun and maybe meet new people. Um, Try it out uh, and and let us know what you think. Um, I think I had have covered everything. Yeah, you got it. Well, then, as always, I have always been and will always be Sean Templar. <laughs> and I am Maximilian X. And we'll catch you on the next one. Later. <laughs>